Today on Health in the Whole, we are talking to Christine Mock, a yoga instructor about Hatha yoga, nature, and finding your center. We talk about balancing your right and left sides and what all that means, not running yourself ragged, and practicing yoga in correspondence with the seasons. Christine believes your yoga practice should change your life, and she explains how. Get ready, at the end, she leads us through a small yoga practice. You won't need any tools, just a small space on the floor or ground. Want to get amazing insights and perspectives from local health and fitness professionals here in Jackson Hole? This is the podcast for you, and we're your hosts, Dr. Laura Wright and Dr. Parker Hughes. Hey everyone, welcome to Health in the Hole. I am here today with Christine Mock. Christine, welcome to the show. Just give everybody a little background about you. What do you do? What brought you to the area? Awesome. Thanks so much, Laura. I'm happy to be here and grateful to be able to um, have this conversation. So I um, am from Cheyenne, Wyoming originally. Awesome. Um, Only in Jackson is it cool to be from Wyoming. Great. That's true. (laughs) In the world, sorry, every other state in the country like does not know anything about Wyoming. So I think that's super funny. So originally from Cheyenne, I moved to the Tetons and I'm on the Teton Valley side. Um, in two, 2018. And um, so I have been, yeah, living the dream in the Tetons. I work for um, a local company here as a remote worker. And then I also am a, a yoga teacher here. And I've done pretty much everything in the yoga world. Um, it, uh, teaching a bunch of different styles, stu- lots of studio classes. I'm kind of moving away from that model now I think COVID was pretty disrupted, disruptive to the whole industry. So right. um, I'm I'm working on retreats, um, and teaching like lots of private groups. I've got I teach a remote class in studio right now, which I'm actually really enjoying. But um, yeah, it's been it's been um, you know disruptive in a really good way the whole this the whole lockdown and really I think that I mean it's certainly not the yoga industry is not the only one that has been had a has been really affected so it's been interesting to be dynamic and to you know change everything that I thought that we thought was Mm -hmm. um you know permanent what yoga is right (laughs) what you think of it what studios are you at at full sun in victor and then remotely i teach for akasha in jackson and um idaho yoga club on zoom awesome so your focus now is hatha yoga can you explain for everybody who doesn't know what that is what it is and why you love it yeah um hatha yoga is really like an umbrella term um that encompasses a lot of different types so um lots of like core power yoga. I think that's like a common corporate yoga studio for people in the city. That's um, based on a a Hatha practice, like um, traditionally like power yoga styles are um, often like based off of a Hatha practice. So um, there's a breath to movement quality. It can be, um, it can kind of be rigorous or not. Um, It is, um, when you think about yoga in a studio, it's typically a hatha practice. Um, the kind of big hot styles like Bikram and Ashtanga are also um, hatha practices as well. So 
Um, my class, my class is going to be similar to a class that you're taking at a studio. It might, it's going to be less like fitnessy, although, um, still, still rigorous. There's still, we're still building bigger. That's the, um, uh, traditionally yoga is, um, the point of it is to like build heat and to like be shaken up, um, in an attempt to sit for meditation. So, um, lots of poses that you're going to recognize down dog, of course, is, um, like all the regular asanas are, um, represented. The theory is going to be slightly different. So explain the theory, the theory. Okay. Amazing. So, um, it's based on, um, we use a lot of archetypes. There's references to um, metaphor and it's uh, very inspired by nature, which is a perfect fit for here because we're just so immersed in nature. And I think if you're um, living in the Tetons, that's one of the reasons why you're here is the um, interaction and engagement that we get to have with nature all the time. So there's a big emphasis on um, being in tune with the seasons. Um, which I think we'll talk about that a, a little bit later as we're like transitioning into summer, although it feels like summer right now, which is for better or for worse. Right, um, it's been so warm. So lots of, yeah, I know. And just like so busy, you know, going from zero to 100 with things closed down and then it's like, whoo, where it's all open. So, um, but we'll talk about that, what that looks like in terms of a yoga practice on and off the mat. Um, and, and ultimately the type, while, I, there's a time and a place for fitness yoga. If, 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 um, working really hard and being super hot is like what makes you stoked to get on your mat. I certainly don't want to take that away from anyone. Um, this type of yoga, this hot, the practice is an invitation to maybe, um, consider the utility of your yoga practice, which for me is, um, a yoga that is infiltrates all parts of your life. Um, the type of yoga I'm teaching and practicing is um, yoga for more than just your body. So how um, can we use a physical, physical movements, um, archetypes, for instance, the archetype of a right angle, stable, um, structurally, with high structural integrity, how can we use the archetypes of um, everyday things to show up in our lives, not just on the mat, in, um, in the service of our highest potential. So, um, so students can expect to um, pay attention, <laughs> to pay attention to um, their habits, you know, to become aware of places that they go too much in, a, in an effort to um, engage with the choice of, make, of going somewhere else. So if you're always, you know, for, for instance, this is, um, I think, relevant in the Tetons. If you gravitate towards hard, hot, intense, um, vigorous, um, then maybe choosing to go in the direction of something maybe more, more fluid, um, less vigorous, a little softer, maybe, maybe not like a hundred degrees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and this, uh, the beautiful thing about this theory is that it's not just, um, it, it's applicable to everything. So while we maybe in a yoga class on a yoga mat, doing down dog, plank, warrior poses, the, um, it's a map that you can 
put on in every area of your life, your relationships, your work, your recreational time, obviously your personal life. So it's a really um, potent theory that can make what, um, what can be like a very traditional um, practice like yoga is extremely old. Mm -hmm. It um, certainly was developed for a different intention than it's used today in like a classic, uh, particularly hot yoga studio. So how can we make that like, how is that going to be useful to us in 2021? So how is it, how is it different? How do you get people to translate what they're doing in their yoga practice to the rest of their life? Um, oh, great question. So uh, a lot of, I've been teaching yoga since 2014 and I've been practicing for longer than that. And I realized, uh, and of course I, and I'm sure some of your listeners can relate. I loved like hot, super hot yoga. I loved vinyasa. I liked to flow, do huge um, heart openers. And, you know, I loved practicing arm balances and stuff. And then eventually like, I wasn't actually feeling better. I was, I was getting burnt out. I was, um, there were times when I was to the point where if I would skip a class, like I'd be, if I would skip a day in the week, I'd be like so tight and sore. Like it, I had a light bulb moment where I was like, I don't know if this is actually serving me anymore. So I kind of had this moment where I didn't even know if I wanted to teach anymore because I was seeing my students continually getting injured. I was seeing um, in my life and in other people's lives that we were talking about gratitude and mindfulness and all of these kind of these ideas that can be esoteric when they're not like embodied in our life outside of the yoga class, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the yoga studio. So I was like, I don't really know if this is like, we're not we're not using this to our fullest potential. So anyways, I did my 300 hour and was introduced to this type of Katona based on Chinese medicine. We, um, the, a lot of times there is this sense that you're like supposed to feel amazing in yoga, um, which leads to the idea that like, I'm just going to do what I like doing and what feels good and then leave the rest. So, which is problematic for a lot of reasons. Like, first of all, in life, sometimes you have to do stuff you don't want to do and is uncomfortable. And so it's like good to practice that. Um, Additionally, like when you keep going the same way, for instance, like every time I grab a can off the, out of the cupboard, I use my right hand. Like over time, my right, like there's, I'm going to, my right arm is going to start to wear out and my left arm is going to like get really weak and, uh, and immobile. So What is different, and um, not to say that I'm not the only teacher doing this, that it's not the case at all, but the invitation to not do what you've always done, to not do what feels good, to um, travel to the opposite side of, of the way that you usually go, is there a space within that to become aware of like, oh my gosh, this is a habit. and often people come to yoga to make change in their lives, to transform, not always, but often. And the only way that you can transform is to do something different than you did the day before. And um, so that's hard. That takes like, it's a practice. So um, what is unique in my classes is there is a, there is space to become aware of what you always do. So sometimes that means slowing down. 
Sometimes that means doing the literal opposite of what we normally do in a yoga class. So for instance, I'm gonna teach here shortly um, a, I call it a funky tabletop, a tabletop with flipped wrists, which um, is often in my class, it's the first time students ever practice that. And sometimes it can even, um, it can be really uncomfortable to flip your wrists so that the outside of your wrists are pointing out versus the tops of your wrists. Got it, yeah. Exactly, perfect. So, and there's um, uh, lots of other reasons that we do that as well, how that can be useful um, in terms of your physicality. But um, sometimes it's so difficult to do something to do the thing that you don't do. So to do the opposite of what you normally do that it literally never happens. Right. In a life, you know? So I um, love facilitating, like forging a new path in your yoga practice, which you do that enough times. It just like becomes your home base, which is how you start to make changes in your personal life. Um, and there's a big emphasis on repetition. So, um, which is of course, how we, how we forge that new path is eventually you become so comfortable doing what is uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable anymore. Got it. Okay. So your classes aren't always uncomfortable and difficult and hard. It's, you absolutely. know, there's some so parts like, of that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so, um, yes, it's not, you're not going to walk into class and be like, Oh my God, this is, this is not, <laughs> Uh, this isn't, this doesn't seem like yoga. It certainly is. The intention is slightly different where um, the intention is not to come in and like feel amazing the whole time and then like melt exhausted on your mat at the end of it. Now that's not to say you want like still work hard because oftentimes doing something different than what you normally do is, is challenging. Um, and sometimes it's even painful. Mm -hmm. The more um, we can do that on our yoga mat though, the more, uh, um, the less likely it is that you'll fall apart when you have to do something that, you, that is uncomfortable, that you don't like, you have to go in a way that you don't normally go in life. Right. So my intention is to invite people, pra yoga practitioners and non, to um, think about yoga in a different way. Beautiful. And tell us a little bit about centering, because I know when we talked before, you mentioned that is another key tenant of the practice. What is that and how does that apply? Oh, it's amazing. So I, um, the whole point, like what, what we're going for, I think, as a people is, is not, I mean, we know that there's, that we're not ever going to get to a point where like, there's never any adversity. Cause that's just not realistic. Right. You don't get to a point where you never have a bad day as a human being. Like you don't go to therapy. You don't go to coaching. You don't go to the doctor. You don't go to a naturopath. You don't go to any, a, a PT expecting to like never feel pain in your body or your heart or whatever ever again. The point is to become like so robust as a person that navigating that um, those adverse situations is, is less like throws you off less. So we talk a lot in my class about um, mediating polarities. So for instance, like right-handed and left-handed. So those are polarities. We think of them as opposites, yin and yang, forward and back, up and down, um, masculine and feminine, um, winter and summer, um, like uh, 
like a workout class and then like a stretching class. Like these are um, all examples of polarities. So um, there's a time and a place for each, but if you like move in to one side, that's problematic. Coming back to the analogy of like, if I'm grabbing, if I'm only using my right hand all the time, then there's a lot of adverse effects from that. So when, so the point is to practice finding the middle. So that means if I use my right arm all the time, then I need to be mindful about using my left arm all the time or sometimes. And um, whether that's pulling a can off the cupboard, whether that's brushing your teeth with your left hand, whether that's um, using your left hand to drive on the steering wheel. So the middle is something that it's, it's, a, it's a space. It's almost even a mindset of, of knowing that you can go in any direction. But if you're on the left, there's, you have a limited amount of, you have a limited, op, your options are limited in terms of where you can go. If, you've, if you spend all your time on the right, which in, um, according to the theory, the right is the relationship with the world. Um, you're a self that um, the outside world sees that's um, taking care of stuff, signing checks, making deals, putting the gas on the pedal. Um, it, it's a little simplistic to say ego, but I think it could be, the adding ego could be helpful in terms of understanding like that, we need, we need all of it. There's a time and a place to go right. There's a time and a place to go left. And the left is associated with lunar energy. It's a relationship to the self. It's our um, emotive nature. It's our inheritance that which we came onto the earth with. So we need both. And being in the middle means being able to use your perspective to know where to go, which way to go. So if you always go to the right, which means, which I think this is common. I even struggle with this myself. Ride is like, let's go do like a huge adventure, mm-hmm. little rest, having seven jobs, hustling all the time. Yeah, the Jackson series head. Yeah. Absolutely. Type A, you know, super organized, you know, being a boss, um, being a manager. If um, eventually like that all gets worn down. So what being, being in the center, being able to find your center is saying, okay, so I know, I know the right. I am intimately familiar with the right. If I look around all around me, we're like a right-handed community. We're like a right-handed world truly because being um, intense and masculine and like taking care of stuff is incentivized in a lot of different ways. So if I know the right, then traveling towards the middle means being engaging with my left, which means taking rest. It means tending to my heart in whatever way. that is powerful for me. It's lighting candles, it's taking bubble baths, it's um, wearing lipstick, (laughs) different for every person. But um, it's important to be able to use, use your awareness. So that means like being able to look around, which is where the yoga practice comes in practicing looking around, practicing perking your ears up to, to pay attention to things that often you don't even have to think about becoming aware is the only way that you can transform. So that means, so if I engage with my left a little bit more, 
Then I'm moving away from the right, which is towards the center. So from the center, you can go forward and back, left and right. You can go diagonally if you want. And then in the center is, um, in terms of geometry, it's like the most structurally sound space. Mm -hmm. So from the center, it's unlikely that you're gonna fall apart. It's on, in, whether that's physically in terms of injuries or emotionally in terms of like, um, well, mental health, like depression or anxiety or things like that are so normalized, like overwhelm and right. burnout and poor work-life balance. So we use the, we use um, our physicality to, to basically make, a, make like um, literal tangible change outside of the body. Super interesting. <laughs> I was like, I was that go, go, go Jackson type. And now I have a kid and I'm so exhausted. I'm, I don't even know where I fit in this spectrum of anything right now. But I was just thinking about brushing your teeth with your left hand. So much easier if you have an electric toothbrush. You know, <laughs> I could do that. I have an electric <laughs> toothbrush. If I did it, I don't think I'd be very coordinated, but I could. I know it's so funny. I do it and I'm just like, oh, wow, this like really takes a long time. And well, it's an insightful to watch my brain be like, just switch it back to the right because we don't have time for this. Right. Which is totally the right. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I've, I've got to work. I've got to go ride my bike, like all these things. Um, it's my right-handed nature being like, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to pay attention, which is, I mean, that's a perfect example of like how this practice will have you butt up against your, what you think is your like nature. Yeah. Your given um, nature. So um, it's fascinating to be, I mean, these small insights are like um, the pieces of a necklace that come together to be like, oh my gosh, like this is the stuff that's not working for me anymore in my life. Relationships, jobs, mindsets. Um, so while I, of course, a huge proponent of therapy, coaching, um, journaling is something that I, that has been super impactful for me. This um, theory of yoga really has been like a master's in like personal development where I'm like, oh my gosh, now that I know, like now that I can pay attention and know that I go in this direction all the time, I'm implicated. I can't just keep making the same decision and being like, why am I burnt out all the time? So it's truly amazing. Um, and cheaper than coaching and therapy. Yeah. How often would one like is one session a week good to get your mind on track or is there a certain amount of time one would need to put into kind of get it to translate from the yoga to the outside world? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. I think it's like, it depends. Um, <laughs> just a little bit about me. I tend to like go hard in the, in my life and the things that I do fast, intense. I'm very like, um, right oriented. You I like high energy. I can see it. I like to make lists. I like to, you know, have a, cr like a crazy, cr I don't necessarily like it, but I'm, I tend to have a crazy schedule. I, um, you know, I'm like on the go a lot. So, so my, um, inclination, my, um, habit would be like, go so hard and get obsessed, which is kind of what I did now. Mm -hmm. The practice forced me to, to back up a little bit, like physically, my body just was not handling it. So, um, I would say in a world where we're like, go hard, 
like take it slow. Um, I think one class is a week is great. If one, if you, if all you have is like one hour in your week, one class is great. The, what we don't want to do is do is make like a new year's resolution where you're like, Oh, I'm going to start this practice and become a different person in a month. And the theory itself will like not allow you to entertain that <laughs> idea mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it's like a mirror, you know, and you can't, um, when you slow down and actually pay attention to what's actually happening in your body, the like mental gymnastics become harder and harder. So, um, what I would say is if you tend to go fast and hard, take it slow, start with a class a week and then add some, sprinkle some rest in. So I would say the average person listening to this is probably similar to me. Mm -hmm. um, start with one class a week and then lay down or um, sit in a seat with a cup of tea or out on your deck and like let that integrate. Even though your mind is gonna say, oh my God, we don't have time for this. Gotta go get on the mountain bike. Gotta go on a huge hike. Gotta go like float the river. Um, now, if you tend to gravitate towards slow and cool, which I don't see that very often around here, then I would say ramp up, do a couple classes a week. Um, practice some more rigorous breath work. There's a, I haven't spoken about breath work yet, but there's a huge emphasis on breath work um, and meditation as well. But um, in such a, you know, physical, in a community that is so physical, we, sh I think it's powerful to use that physicality to like kind of rein ourselves in a bit. Okay, let's talk some about the seasonality. So we're spring kind of going into summer. Does your practice change with the seasons? Yes, um, it does. And um, although the the wonderful thing is we can, this theory is so, um, and it's, it's truly infinite. It's constantly being added to, which is unique in the yoga world where it's like very like historically like guru base. Mm -hmm. And then the guru is like, well, no, the knowledge is me. Like the, the gem of the practice is me. And this theory is, is the importance and the magic is, is very much based on the theory and not an individual, which is another reason why it's timeless, it's universal and it's powerful. So it's empowering to the practitioner. Like you did this, not like some like yogi that was alive like 150 years ago, mm -hmm. um, which um, is, I mean, it just feels good to be empowered. Um, so, so all of these practices can be like all of these techniques it, it, down to individual poses can kind of be tweaked for um, the seasons. So we're like in Chinese medicine, each se there's like a set of seasons inside of each season, if that okay. makes sense. So for instance, we're like in the um, winter of spring. So it's today's a bad example, but we're like less, it's, it's not as wet as it was a few weeks ago when we were in the fall of spring. So we're um, about to transition into summer, which at the beginning of summer will be in the summer of summer. So, um, and that's like a lot of depth right there. <laughs> so that's super confusing, no worries. Just think in terms of like, okay, the archetype of spring, 
seeds um, blossoming. It's kind of wet, but also warm. So it's wet, yeah. warm. It can be like allergies and phlegmy. Um, it's, we start to air out our windows in the house, but also in the body and lungs are the windows in the body. So we can use what's going on outside to gain insight on what's going inside. And it's interesting because oftentimes that shows like how not in tune with the seasons that we are in general. Um, in a perfect world, we could, you know, we could wax, our lives would wax and wane with the seasons, which means in the depths of winter, we're not like super busy. Right. And we're not working until like 10 p.m. or whatever. Not like busy doing stuff till 10. Ideally, we could um, work way less in the winter. Days are shorter. There's, um, it's kind of harder to be alive, especially here in terms of food and travel and um, heating our homes and stuff. Um, but there are, and I always encourage to, it, it's always a good idea to try to set your schedule up in, in tune with the seasons, meaning plant your seeds in the spring and then try not to have a bunch of plans coming, like plans in the works throughout the rest of the year. Okay. Now that doesn't mean don't do anything the rest of the year, but yeah. like any big seeds that you're planting, like try to link them up with the spring. Um, plan, plan for a lot of rest in the winter. Adjust your schedule if you can so that you can be in bed early and up a little bit earlier. Um, so in, in terms of the physical practice, there's um, what, small ways that you can tweak the, our breathwork practices, pranayama is what it's called in, in Sanskrit. Um, for instance, in the spring, if it's like a little flummy, it's like it, it um, the season starts out as wet and cold and then moves into wet and warm. So there's a, we want to um, create some movement and some space in the upper third of the torso, the neck and the chest. So we practice back, um, back bends and not necessarily like the deepest back bends ever. Like baby cobra is great. Um, if you find, I always in general, just like rest, I think is there needs to be more rest around here. So there's always lots of rest um, and integration in the spring because we're spending so much time like getting our literal and figurative gardens ready for the summer. Yeah, I like the planting the seeds in the spring because right now I'm like, oh, if I plant my seeds in the spring, I can't plant very much right now because I just don't have the brain power to do it. So that means I won't, you know, overgrow my garden all the rest of the year yeah. compared to a normal year where I might do that. So exactly. And um it's common to like we're like, oh my God, we have so much energy in this in the spring. And then it's like fades out throughout the rest of the summer, which is natural, which is which is what happens in summer. You know, we come in hot and then mm -hmm. everything starts to die as we approach fall. So um we can use like what's going on outside to for to like validate our own experience of of um maybe not being so forceful and so like demanding of ourselves mm -hmm. all the time so it's right. a it's, the august burnout that everyone gets like working so much in the summer and trying to do everything and 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then being like, oh my God, I can't even enjoy myself. Okay. Wow. Um, anything else about the practice that you want to explain? Cause then I do want to have you do a little practice for us. Um, oh my gosh, there's so much to say. It's really like the path there. If you wanted to keep doing what you you've always done, you probably wouldn't be coming to yoga, you know? So that's the invitation is like, how can we move away from these like grandiose plans of like, I'm gonna, I've set a new year's resolution and I'm gonna be totally different. And instead like start to normalize making one small change on the mat and then seeing what happens. Um, Perking your ears up to be curious and just notice. So anyways, so we can get into um, a super short practice. It's super easy. Often it's like, oh my God, like it's, it's a Petri dish for insights. It's like, wow, that was so easy, but such like a powerful insight in my body. Um, cool. Yeah. Let you lead us through that then. Okay. Perfect. So I'm just going to stay in front of the screen, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Okay, great. So, um, so certain tabletop, and if you can imagine a tabletop, if you're not able to, listeners, if you're not able to get into one, imagine one. It consists of several right angles, which we already know that those are structurally sound. If you're building a house, you want a bunch of right angles, a bookshelf. Um, if you look around your kitchen or whatever room you're in, there's right angles all over the place, even if you're driving in your car. So think of right angles, structurally sound. Your shoulders stacked over your wrists, with um, fingers like comfortably spread apart. So a nice even amount of space in between each one with your knees stacked underneath your hips and with the 90 degree angles in your hips as well as your knees. So from here, shift your weight into your left hand and, and pick up your right and then turn your, your fingers so that they're back pointing towards your knees and then press the, um, the palm of your hand into the floor. So right now you have your right fingertips pointing back with the inside of your right wrist pointing forward. And then you've just got a regular wrist orientation, what I would call a, regula a regulation tabletop in the left hand. So start by pressing down through your palm from the knuckle of your index finger to the knuckle of your pinky finger. So broaden the space from index to pinky and then press down through the heel of your hand. And um, Make sure that your, the heel of your hand is right underneath your shoulder. So you have another 90 degree angle. 90 degree angles allow for your joints to support you. So um, moving to the right would be muscling through stuff. So we, we're too much, too much right. So allow your bones to support you. And so your muscles can do less. So start to move forward and back slightly. Just starting to wake up through your wrists and wrists are um, connected to the lungs and lungs are our windows. And so it's spring, so we're uh, airing out the house. Your body is a house, it's the archetype we use often in um, the practice. And then um, next time you find yourself in the middle, start to go in, um, in a circle to the right, imagining that your right wrist 
is the center of the clock face and your body is moving around the clock. And we're gonna go to the right. And so, like I said earlier, the right is, this is where a lot of us live, where uh, we um, take care of stuff, take care of family, um, take care of our businesses, have a relationship with the outside world, be on social networking, write books, use our planner, put the pedal to the metal, take our Ferrari out for a spin. Awesome. And then go ahead and let that slowly start to settle in the middle so that your right shoulder is back on top of your right wrist. And then shift your weight left again and switch your palms. So turn your right fingertips so they're pointing forward and then turn your left fingertips and it's gonna be in a counterclockwise direction so that your fingertips are pointing back towards your left knee and the heel of your hand is back directly underneath your left shoulder. Uh, once again, a 90 degree angle. And this practice is beautiful because there's so many um, ways you can measure yourself. And, and the more times you measure, the more likely you'll be able to not have to measure in the future. So from here, start to move forward and back again, just starting to open up through your wrists. And flipping the wrists is also important because it allows an, a natural broadening of your collarbones, which brings your lungs, which attach to the back body forward. So like even more space to let the, the Teton breeze or the breeze of wherever you are um, clean out the air inside your home, inside your vessel, your body. So when you're ready, you can start to move in a counterclockwise direction this time. So moving to the left intentionally. And you might notice, you will likely notice that there is a part of the circle where you, you're you're kind of like shaking that off. There's a part of the circle that is harder for you to stay present in. It might, your shape might look more like an oval or there might be like a squiggly line. And without judgment, it's just important for you to notice this. It's all information. And with information comes empowerment. So once you know the places that you don't go very often, then you can um, be intentional about going there. So oftentimes moving in the left can feel really uncomfortable, which is a great insight. And how about two more times moving in a circle? And again, the left is um, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our emotions. Um, it's dark and cold. And then make your way back to center. And then from here, keep your weight in your left hand and switch your right palm back. So now both of your palms are backwards. And make sure the heels of your hands are directly underneath your shoulders once more. And you've got those lovely, um, strong, stable 90 degree angles. And then from here, start to um, pump your chest. So think um, cat cow. So we'll inhale, drop the belly, lift the gaze, exhale, round and tuck, chin to chest, gaze to the navel. And then if you like to move fast, we're gonna move breath to movement here. So inhale, drop the belly, lift the gaze, exhale, round and tuck, and then keep going just like that. If you like to go fast in your life, if you're like me and you're very right oriented, then go slow. And if you're, if you're slow and very deliberate in your life, then I invite you to move fast, which might be like inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And just notice again, 
And can you, can you become aware of the, of a, or maybe multiple areas in the really simple flow that you don't, that you're not really going to, that you're trying to exit before you even enter? It might be that your wrists are gently popping up. It might be that um, there's a part of your palm that's not making contact with the earth. It might feel uncomfortable with your um, neck open. It might feel uncomfortable with your upper body, broad, upper torso. These are just examples. And then just three or four more times, can you go where you are trying to get out of? Can you kind of nestle yourself into the spot that your physiology is trying to avoid? Awesome. And then wherever you are, start to kind of let this um, settle and then make your way back to um, that funky tabletop. And then from here, switch your palms around so you're in a regulation tabletop. And then just take a moment to feel. You can um, let your spine settle naturally. So there's a slight curve here. Just kind of letting your breath return to normal and um, like letting the, the layers settle here. And if anything comes up, that's amazing. I encourage you to like jot some notes down if that's helpful for you. If you're like, well, that was weird. Then I would say my work here is done because that's the whole point <laughs> is we're here to, to, um, to transform, to walk in the direction of our highest potential. Very cool. That was fine. I'm going to have to go back and do that. Not yeah, sitting up. Super good. So nice. Awesome. Um, I guess last, well, a couple more. Where do people find you and work with you? Oh my gosh. Amazing question. So I, well, I'm based in Victor, but um, definitely do some work in Jackson. So if you can find me on Instagram is kind of my main social network, but you can also find me on Facebook. Um, you can find my email and other contact information on both of those platforms. And then feel free to check out my website, christinemockyoga.com, where you can also book with me. You can get the conversation started. Um, a great opportunity coming up is a retreat in August at Maple Grove Hot Springs. So it's just hop, skip, and a jump away. Where is that? I don't actually know. <laughs> it is um, about an hour and a half north of of the Utah border. Okay. So it's near Thatcher, Idaho. Um, it is, we'll talk a lot about what being in the middle feels like, what it tastes like, sounds like, um, how to get there, how to practice on your own. Um, we're going to do yoga, meditation, and breath work, of course. There will be a Chinese medicine hour long session um, included. And um, the retreat center is there's no service and no wi-fi which is That's like my amazing. favorite part about the space so um it's two nights three days i invite you all to put your email away message up and turn your phone on airplane mode and just nestle into whatever you need 
whether that's right to the right or to the left, plus 24 hour access to four mineral hot springs. Amazing. And aside from yoga, because we've talked a lot about that today, what other practice or habit in your life has been most powerful for you? Oh my gosh, I love this so much. And um, this is also going to be a big part of my retreat. Um, Julia Cameron's book, I can't remember what it's called right now, but she has a practice called Morning Pages. And I know lots of different um, kind of coaches and teachers have their own method for journaling, but Morning Pages has really been um, so impactful beyond words in my life. And it's, so I basically wake up and like journal three pages every morning. Um, Are those big pages, short pages? Does it make any difference? Um, this is, I've been using, I mean, this is a full notebook page, but as I've been saying, and as I'm sure you can get a sense, I'm like kind of intense. <laughs> um, through any page, any, um, any size page, it doesn't matter. The point is to just get in tune with your stream of consciousness. And, um, you know, at first I hated it. It was the most uncomfortable thing. Honestly, I was like, I sound like a middle schooler. Like it was so annoying, but it was, it was insightful in that I, I, I couldn't ignore the things that I was complaining about every day. I couldn't face myself and continue complaining about the same stuff. So, um, like I said, I love, I've been, um, a, a huge proponent of therapy. I have a coach myself. Um, I've been in several coaching programs. Um, I've acupuncture is also a big part of my life, but really like journaling has had the biggest impact for me, um, which will start a journaling practice on my retreat, but um, it costs like almost zero dollars. It's just the time. Um, but I encourage everyone that I work with and everyone that I know to just start a journaling practice and see what happens. So her book, The Artist's Way or The Listening Path, is it one of those two? She's written it. Artist's Way, yes. Okay. Like a 12-week, um, kind of, uh, like, the idea is um, living a creative life and kind of working through these limiting beliefs that we're not all creative, like innately creative beings. So lovely book, but if you don't have time to read the book, do the morning page practice. Wake up and just... And she says, even if you write, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write for three pages. It's, it's, it's useful because eventually like all these complaints will come in and like, you'll just start to notice like, wow, this thing that I thought was like the best for me really isn't mm -hmm. so super, super powerful. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I think we went a little bit long. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to go back and do that practice again. So super appreciated. Thanks for listening to health in the hole. If you liked it, please subscribe so you can hear more episodes. And remember this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your health provider before doing anything drastic.